Hi, welcome to episode 27 of Kept Secrets. I'm your host, Nikki Rothrock. This podcast is a way that I try to help others who have also experienced childhood sexual abuse, neglect, or trauma. I will discuss my personal experiences and the treatments that helped heal the brokenness. My abuse started as early as five to six years old and by more than 20 different perpetrators. There's a long history, but I've created this podcast in hopes of helping one person. I hope that person is you. Hey, everybody. Excuse me. Oh, gosh, it's been, I think, three weeks since I've been able to do um, another episode, and I apologize for that. My uh, husband has been home, and I'm kind of a weirdo, and I need to have privacy when I'm doing this because if not, I feel like he's over there making judgments and, you know playing his video games, but he says he can't hear me, but he can. Anyway, so he's outside mowing the yard right now. Um, so I have about an hour and that is all I need. So um, last week I said we were going to talk about um, self-esteem. So tonight I have a little article here that is on verywellmind.com. It's 11 signs, excuse me, of low self-esteem. This article was published in February of this year. There's 11 different things, and then we're going to kind of go through them a little bit. Um, I might kind of skip around a little, I think, um, give you some examples of my own issues. Pretty sure you guys know what kind of issues I already have because you've been here for 26 episodes now, uh, 27. So um, Hopefully you'll find something helpful for yourself because I do think we're going to talk about the signs of low self-esteem and then we're going to talk about how to cope with it and then some additional ways to increase your low self-esteem. If you hear this, I just got a big order in from Timu and (laughs) before I could uh, even start the podcast, I had to rip open my package because I was so excited. So... Um, this article starts off by saying low self-esteem refers to a person having an overall poor sense of self-value. It essentially means having a poor opinion of yourself. Low self-esteem can encompass a range of factors such as your sense of identity, self-confidence, feeling, feelings of competence, and feelings of belonging. Self-esteem is about more than just generally liking yourself. It also means believing that you deserve love and valuing your own thoughts, feelings, opinions, interests, and goals. It can also play a role in how you allow others to treat you. Having self-esteem not only impacts how you feel about and treat yourself, but it can even affect your motivation to go after things you want in life and your ability to develop, to develop healthy, supportive relationships. It plays an important role in a variety of areas in life, which is why having low self-esteem can be such a serious problem. Having low self-esteem means that you often think negatively about yourself, judge yourself badly, and lack confidence in your abilities. Man, I feel like they wrote this article about me a little bit. (laughs) So there's some signs of low self-esteem. While not a mental illness, poor self-esteem can still affect a person's thoughts, emotions, and patterns of behavior. Sometimes its signs can be fairly apparent. Other times, low self-esteem symptoms are much more subtle. For example, some people with low self-esteem talk negatively about themselves, 
while others go out of their way to make sure others are pleased with them. In either case, a lack of personal worth and value can have a negative impact on life and wellness. Some common signs or symptoms of low self-esteem include lack of confidence. <clears throat> so there's two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven. So you've got ten fingers. I want you to put up a finger for each one that that I that you can identify with. Number one, lack of confidence. Boop. Number two, external focus of control. Um, sure. Number three, negative social comparisons. Ding, ding. That's me for sure. Trouble asking for help. Mm. Worry and doubt. Definitely. Difficulty accepting compliments. For sure. And I have something funny to tell you about that one. Negative self-talk. Definitely. Fear of failure. Definitely. Poor outlook of the future. Mm, maybe. Lack of boundaries. Used to definitely be that. Being a people pleaser. I think I'm going to put up two fingers for that one. So, you could also find online self-esteem tests to help determine whether your self-worth may be low. For instance, the open source psychometrics projects offer free assessment to versions of the Rosenberg self-esteem scale, which is a test used to, to measure self-esteem and research. So you could even Google uh, the Rosenberg self-esteem scale if you wanted to. So going through this list, poor self-confidence. People with low self-confidence tend to have, a, have low self-esteem and vice versa. Low self-esteem can play a role in causing a lack of confidence, but poor confidence can also contribute to or worsen poor self-esteem. I kind of thought they were the same, so this is interesting. Being confident in yourself and your abilities allows you to know that you can rely on yourself to manage diff different situations. The self-trust means that you feel comfortable and confident navigating many different things you might encounter in life, which can play an important role in your overall well-being. Finding ways to gain confidence in yourself and your abilities can be helpful. Acquiring and practicing new skills is one tactic you might try. This may even help reduce feelings of anxiousness as, a as research sorry, connects a lack of confidence with higher anxiety levels, especially when under stress. So I guess I always thought that self-esteem and confidence were the same thing. So this is helpful in knowing that your self-esteem is kind of what propels your confidence. So if, if you don't have good confidence in your decisions, then that could contribute to your low self-esteem because you think, well, I, what's the use? I'm a big loser or whatever. I can't do anything right, stuff like that. So I kind of get that now. Um, the next one is lack of control. People have low self-esteem, people who have low self-esteem, often feel that they have little control over their lives or what happens to them. This can be due to the feeling that they have little ability to create changes in themselves or in the world because they have an external locus of control. I thought that was a typo earlier, but it is locus, L-O-C-U-S. Uh, they feel powerless to do anything to fix their problems. Research has found that in situations where people have little control over what happens, 
Having higher self-esteem can help relieve some of the negative effects of, the lo- of this loss of control, which ultimately benefits mental health. If you feel like you have no control over your life or situation, finding ways to improve your self-esteem may be helpful for your well-being. So this is interesting because um, for my own, I said I had something I wanted to tell you guys. Uh, difficulty accepting compliments. I'm, a, I'm not sure. I haven't really looked too far ahead on this. Sorry, more team stuff. Got to move it. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So difficulty accepting compliments. A long time ago, um, after my first uh, treatment session with Beth, when I was up until I was like six, 16 or 17, so I was probably 20, 21 when I had this therapist. Her name was Bev. Uh, she was trying to work with me on self-sabotage and my confidence in taking compliments. So if my BFF is listening, you're going to find this part super funny because we talk about it a lot. Um, like whenever there's a compliment given to me. And I just kind of brush over it. Like if somebody's like, oh, I really like your haircut. And I'm like, yeah, thanks, but... And then I say something negative to counter that. So when I was working with Bev, uh, she used to tell me, <laughs> when someone says something nice to you, you have to stop before you say anything. And you have to t- take it in. <laughs> and then you have to respond in a positive way. So maybe I could say something like, they're like, oh, I like your haircut or color. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks dot, 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 because I'm waiting, I'm taking it in. And then I say, I just wanted to try something new. So thanks for pointing out that it looks okay or something like that. Um, so I found, I find it funny because whenever I'm uncomfortable and somebody is paying me a compliment for something, it could be a work-related thing or it could be, you know, they like my shirt or something, like sometimes I will have to, I'll be uncomfortable when I hear a compliment. So I have to be like, um, take it in, Nick. Like, just think about it before you respond because they wouldn't have said it if they really didn't mean it, hopefully. So see, that's the negative of that. You have to trust that other people are being honest about it. Um, okay. Negative self-comparison. And I struggle with this one pretty badly. Uh, Social comparison can sometimes serve as a positive function and enhance a person's sense of self. But comparing yourself to others can also damage self-esteem. People with low self-esteem may be more likely to engage in what is known as upward social comparison or comparing themselves to people who they think are better than themselves. Upward social comparison isn't always bad. For instance, these comparisons can be a source of information and inspiration for improvement. When people are left with feelings of inadequacy or hopelessness, however, it can inhibit self-esteem. Social media can also play a role in such comparisons contributing to to low self-esteem. If you often compare yourself unfavorably to people on social media sites such as Facebook or Instagram, your self-esteem may take a hit. And I'm guilty of this. You know, a lot of people want to, and I I guess I'm kind of, 
there's a balance when you have social media. Like, you want people to know that you're, like, doing fun things. But if you're constantly, like, maybe taking, and I'm guilty of this, filtered selfies, um, things like that, and putting them on there, and you're just constantly making it look like life is fantastic. You know, that can be kind of a downer to somebody who's really struggling. So I try <laughs> a long time ago when I first started using Facebook. I have Instagram, but I don't use it very often because I'm so invested, I guess, in Facebook. I don't know. I know that Facebook is for the older generation. The kids today say that Instagram is the new thing to do. Insta. So <laughs> um, sometimes... When I'm scrolling through and I see somebody, uh, you know, they have a picture on there with their spouse and they both just look so well put together. And then I, I look at pictures that I've tried to take of myself and my husband and we both look like we just crawled out of a dumpster because my hair's a mess and usually he's not shaven. And, you know, there's just a weird comparison that I make and it's like, man, I'm not going to put this picture on there because... People were, they're going to use it for memes or whatever those things are called where they make fun of people. So that's my, my negative social comparison. There's that. There's also the factor of my weight. Um, and I don't know if a lot of you have this issue, but, uh, so there's the professional negative social comparison where maybe a coworker of mine, um, is is smaller. I mean, all my coworkers are smaller than me, but you know, they're just a lot more put together. They put their makeup on every day. Their hair is always done. Like they just look like they feel good about themselves. And then here I go walking in there and my, you know, I'm not a professionally dressed kind of person. Thank goodness that our office has a very casual dress. Um, but sometimes I think, you know, if I were thinner, I could look better. Yes, that's true. I could probably find clothes that would look prettier or, you know, I could make... I don't even know why I think like this. I mean, uh, but I've always done that where I just kind of compare myself to other people in a way that I'm never going to be like that. So then I feel like I kind of knock myself down a few notches and it's like... Just accept it. You know, years ago, I would try so hard to not, quote unquote, just accept it. And I guess as I've gotten older and the struggle is so real with me and weight loss that I've just kind of accepted that I'm going to have to dress frumpy or I'm going to have to you know, not wear heels because if I do have the slightest heel on my shoe, I'm going down. My face is face planting into the pavement. And then everybody's going to have me on freaking Facebook with the video of, you know, my, my face on the ground and I can't get up because I look like a turtle on its back. You know, it's, it's terrible that I think this, but honestly swear it is literally what it would look like if I fell. <laughs> And so this negative social comparison, you know, it, it gets me. Um, the other sort of social comparison is 
going into um, a restaurant with my husband or my friends or even family, I will 100% every time scan the room. I'm going to look to see, one, am I the biggest person in this room? If I'm not, great. If I am, crap. Because that means that they're probably going to watch me. For some reason, people like to watch overweight people eat because they think it's like a freak sideshow kind of thing. Um, and it just, it's just very sad, you know. And I'm not going to lie. I find myself watching people, bigger people, and I don't know why. I honestly don't know why. Maybe some of it is like, you know, comparing how we are in a social setting. Stuff like that. So, you know, there's all of this gunk in my head that has to do with my weight and society and how I'm judged. Um, one time I made a, a comment to someone that I respect a lot. And I said, you know, I wanted, back then, I wanted to have weight loss surgery because I wanted to be thinner so that I would be taken more seriously in the workforce. And I said, you know, people constantly judge heavy people as if they're just these slobs that just lay around in their own filth and don't bathe and, you know, they don't wash their hair or they're not worth anything. You know, that's just what society, uh, kind, that's how they judge. And sadly, this person agreed with me. And I was like, because this person is, is a professional, and I was like, oh, well, ouch. <laughs> you know, that kind of, kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but it was an honest response. She was being honest. And I just need to accept that that's how society is. Um, you're probably going to hear Archie in a minute. Excuse me. I've already given him a chew stick. He's blown through that thing and we're only 18 minutes into this. I've already tried to give him a couple little mini bones. And he's going to sit over here and grumble at me because he wants another chew stick. Well, he's not getting it. So eat up the little bones there, Archie. Okay. Sorry. Uh, the next little segment is about problems asking for what you need. When a person has low self-esteem, they may struggle to ask for what they need. Trouble asking for what you need can be caused by feeling embarrassed. Or you may feel that a need for assistance and support is a sign that you're incompetent. Because their self-regard is low, someone with low self-esteem might also feel that they don't deserve help. They don't prioritize their own desires, so they struggle to assert themselves when they're in need. Ugh. I don't really think that this is an issue that I personally have. Um, I, can, I can see how it would be an issue, though. You know, it's any time that I maybe had to ask for help at work or something like that, um, you better stop. We're not doing this. Excuse me. Now, you know, it's not an issue at work, really. Um, and at home, it's it's not really an issue for me. So, um, 
Not that this podcast is all about me or anything, but um, if you have problems asking for what you need, it could be because of your, that your self-regard is low. Um, And I think we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Worry and self-doubt. Even after making a decision, people who have low self-worth often worry that they're made, that they've made the wrong choice. Shh, stop it. You weirdo. They doubt their own opinions and may defer to what others think instead of sticking to their own choices. This can lead to a great deal of second guessing one's self, second guessing and self doubt. This makes it harder for people with low self esteem to make decisions about their lives. So I do have an issue with this one. Or not an issue, but I do. I can relate to this. Um, you know, sometimes I think, did I make the right decision? Whether it be helping a relative, mainly my brother. Um, because, you know, other people might think badly of me if I don't. However, if I do, it could be bad for my marriage because it is it is a line in the sand that I cannot cross and it has been it has been determined that if I even step up to the line <laughs> it's a bad thing so I do worry about my decisions a lot um, not as much as I used to you know when I decided to drop out of graduate school in 2012 I just had this horrible feeling of, well, first I had the feeling of relief because I didn't have to fuss with it anymore. It's a lot of work. It was a lot of time. Um, But then I also had had that feeling of, am I making the right decision for my future? Um, And at that point, I had just started, started working where I am now. And, uh, Didn't really know if I would have a future in that company or not. Um, So there was a lot of like, "Eh, am I making the right decision? Do I really want to go into mental health and addiction stuff? Or do I want to stay in finance and accounting? Um, And to be honest with you, at the time, I was looking at the the, uh, annual income of a social worker versus an annual income of a financial person. And there was really not, I mean, that alone would have made a good decision. You know, I could, I I did the right thing because however, (laughs) and here I am second guessing my decision now. And I know I told you guys last time that I am thinking about finishing my master's degree. Uh, And a lot of that is just because I, I hate that feeling of not completing something. Um, but then the other part of it is it's not going to enhance my career where I am now because they don't care if I have a master's degree or a high school diploma or even a doctorate. They don't care because the company is more, uh, interested in your work ethic, you know, how, how loyal you are to them. Stop things like that. So my education really is not going to, if I go further, it's not going to help my career. So 
Um, the, the next step in this is fear of failure, which is where I'm talking about here. Like I felt, you know, when my mom was passing away, actively dying or whatever, um, she's like, you know, you're going to go on and you're going to marry Ryan and you're going to finish school and you're going to do what you want with your life. And when I decided to drop out, all I heard in my head was you're going to finish school. And I felt like I was failing in finishing that, uh, not really an agreement between my mother and I, but just a, it was just, I was letting her down, I guess. Even though she's not here, I still felt like I was letting her down in some way by not finishing. So fear of failure Because they lack confidence in their abilities, people with low self-esteem doubt their ability to achieve success. Because they fear failure, they tend to either avoid challenges or give up quickly without really trying. This fear of failure can be seen in behaviors such as acting out when things go wrong, excuse me, or looking for other ways or or looking for ways to hide feelings of inadequacy. People with low self-esteem might also make excuses, blame external factors, or try to downplay the importance of the task. So, Lordy, this is a... I didn't really have that, um, that thought process as a kid, like, where I was like, oh, I can't do this because I will fail. Um, I had other things on my mind and as an adult, you know, life is not easy. Work is not easy. Family life is not easy. Um, sometimes maintaining friendships is not easy because you have to make an effort. And sometimes that's difficult, especially, especially if you get busy with work and family or work and extracurricular stuff. Um, so I don't really know where I was going with that. But so the next one, if I think about it, I'll let you know. The next one is poor outlook. <clears throat> Low self-worth can cause people to feel that there is, little, there is little chance that the future will be any better than the present. These feelings of hopelessness can make it hard for people with low self-esteem to engage in behaviors that will bring out positive changes in their lives. Self-sabotage is a common way of coping with such feelings. By finding obstacles to prevent success, people with low self-esteem are able to find something else to blame for not achieving their goals or finding greater levels of happiness in their lives. So, Archie, you cannot go outside. Daddy is mowing the yard. You have to wait. I'm sorry. Um, self-sabotage. There is a book that when I was working with Beverly before Bev, um, not Beth, Elizabeth, not her, Beverly. When I was working with her, she had me get this book called Self-Sabotage. And I can't remember the author, but it's a little yellow book. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I didn't read the whole thing because at the time I didn't understand. Like, I was like, what am I doing? What are we talking about here? Um, But it's almost like you're always getting in your own way. So for me, 
I self-sabotage in a wicked bad way with my weight loss. Anybody who knows me, zip it. Anybody who knows me can tell you that I do that. So I hate it, but I haven't been able to work around that. And I haven't been able to figure out my mental state and to not do that. So maybe I should probably get this book again and maybe read it this time. Um, but basically, my my brother, he is big time a self-sabotager. Um, he can't get out of his own way. He's constantly, you know, and everybody probably makes bad choices sometimes, but sometimes his choices one right after the other, after another, after another. And then he wonders why things suck so bad. You know, it's like, come on, man. You know, but in his defense, he did not have a very good upbringing either. Um, he was enabled a lot by our mother. Uh, his father was not around very much. Um, his father and my father are not the same. His father actually passed away about six months after our mom did. It was very difficult to get through for him. Um, and then, you know, recently he's lost uh, a female friend who is really probably one of the only friends he's ever had. And so he has struggled a lot. Um, and I think that's what landed him in jail, obviously, his bad decisions. And when I talk to him, I try to tell him, I'm like, look, you're not in jail because somebody did this to you. Why are you there? And then over the last couple of months, he has started to understand his bad choices are what got him there. And, you know, it's, it's sad because he's 40 years old. And I still see my baby brother, my little brother with his big eyeballs because he had cataract surgery when he was like in first grade. And he, always, he was always made fun of about his glasses through school. Um, he, I don't know why I'm talking about him, but he just self-sabotages. I do it. Um, and I really probably should get that book <laughs> and maybe start focusing on that. Uh, the next portion is lack of boundaries. The ability to set boundaries is often established early in life. Children with caregivers who show them that they're respected and valued are better able to create good boundaries in adult relationships. There are also, they are also more likely to have more pos a more positive view of themselves in general. A lack of healthy boundaries can create problems when others don't respect a person's space and time. The lack of respect not only adds to the person's stress level, but it may also make them feel less valued. So boundaries was a big thing for me years ago in treatment with Beth this time. Um, you know, my relationship with my mom back then was very conditional. You know, it's like if you give me money to pay my rent, I'll spend time with you. It wasn't, I'll spend time with you. Hey, can I borrow some money? It was, I'll spend time with you if you do this for me. I will show you attention if you do this for me. It was very conditional. And I absolutely had no boundaries at all. So once I started setting boundaries with her, like no more money will be given to you. I'm not enabling my brother like you do. I'm not doing this. Then she finally, she quit talking to me for about three months. She wouldn't speak to me. But um, after that, 
I was able to express how I felt, things she did that made me feel bad, um, and things just kind of got a little better, and she kind of respected the boundaries, I guess. Um, you know, I, boundaries are a big issue with me and my brother, um, and I have been over the last probably 10 years trying to uh, set healthy boundaries, and it's so difficult. Um, the next, next one is trying to please others. People-pleasing is another common symptom of low self-esteem. In order to gain external validation, people who don't feel good about themselves may go above and beyond to make sure that others are comfortable and happy. Pleasing others often involves neglecting their own needs. The person with low self-esteem winds up saying yes to all the things that they may not want to do and feeling guilty about saying no. Okay, so I'm a pretty big people pleaser. Um, I don't like conflict. I'm not going to lie. Um, I will try to avoid it at all costs. And sometimes that's not a good trait to have when you're in a management role in your job. <laughs> so um, even... I mean, I used to be so bad at this. Like, I would constantly make plans every day, every night of the week, all weekend, and then I would wonder why I was tired. Um, so eventually, I started setting boundaries and, you know, had to say no about things. And you know what? The world kept turning and everything kept going. Yes, people might have been like, oh, that stinks. And I may have felt like I disappointed them for a minute, but it's okay. Because in the end, I didn't have to do something I didn't want to do, which is great. Um, impact of low self-esteem. Research suggests that there are numerous effects of low self-esteem. For instance, having lower levels of self-esteem is linked to a number of mental health issues, including anxiety, check, eating disorders, check. Emotional distress, check. Internet addiction, hmm. Panic disorder, risky behaviors, social anxiety disorder, substance use, and stress. It's really interesting that internet addiction is on here. I mean, it could just be looking at your phone all the time, and my husband is so mad at me. So I have to make a point when we're in the car to put my phone in my purse out of my reach so that I'm not constantly playing a game or scrolling through social media, stuff like that, because it bothers him that I'm not spending this time with him. And it's that way at home too. You know, I, I do these things on my phone that just are kind of like mind numbing stuff, like certain games and stuff, just because my brain is like mush when I get off work sometimes. So I'm just doing this thinkless stuff on my phone. So if you're constantly scrolling, um, it could, it could very well be because of you, your low self-esteem. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. So low self-esteem may even play a role in the development of certain mental health conditions, such as depression. My husband's outside mowing. I'm sorry. Research has also shown that people with low self-esteem are more likely to be at risk for suicidal thinking. Um, 
Another effect of low self-esteem is that you may find it more difficult to achieve your goals and form healthy, supportive relationships. It might also make you more sensitive to criticism or rejection. Where someone with high self-esteem is likely to be able to shake off negative feedback, someone with poor self-value might take it more personally. Girl, that is me. <laughs> um, this can also make people with self-esteem issues more likely to give up when faced with challenges or obstacles. Research has found that people with low self-esteem often engage in behaviors that are designed to preserve their limited self-worth. Actions such as acting sad or sulking are used to garner support from others. Wow. You know, my husband does this. <laughs> when I make him mad, he will just flat out ignore me. He won't say anything. And it's what it's so obvious. It is so stinking obvious when he's mad at me about something. I have to badger him. I'm like, what's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. Why are you being a sappy, sulky, silly butt? You know, I'm like, and then I have to really pester the crap out of him to get him to finally open up and tell me that maybe I hurt his feelings. And I'm like, okay, I apologize for hurting your feelings, but, you know, you could have just said two hours ago that I hurt your feelings <laughs> instead of making me sit here and badger the crap out of you for two hours because you had a bad attitude. <laughs> Anyway, he, he does that. It cracks me up because I sometimes when he gets mad, I just have to laugh. And he does the same thing to me. Like if I get mad about something, I'm like, that wasn't very nice or whatever. And he'll just look at me and be like, really? I'm like, what? And then we just go on. Like it's, it's playful and it's, I'm not dismissing how he feels. You know, I'm like, well, what did I do that made you mad or upset you? And then we talk about it and then everything is fine. Isn't that weird how communication works? Okay, so causes of low self-esteem. What causes lower self-esteem in some individuals? That was a question. Several factors could be at play, some of which include brooding or being preoccupied with dark or sad memories or thoughts, engaging in negative self-talk and self-criticism, having a mental health disorder, low levels of resilience, maladaptive coping skills, Rumination or obs obsessively thinking about one thing. Specifically, social media can have negative effects if it is used as a way to measure your popularity or likability. But if you use social media to share your interests with like-minded individuals, its impact, impact can be more positive. That makes sense. You know, I like sloths. You know, little furry creatures with the little claws. Uh you know, like two or three toed sloths. Um, you know, I constantly post pictures. Like I've been to Honduras twice just for the sloths. <laughs> I, um, I went to, you know, that Tiger King docuseries that happened in during the pandemic. Um, one of the guys on there was from Indiana. He was, oh, I cannot remember his name, but he was in Southern Indiana. And for my best friend's birthday, Myself, um, a coworker of mine who's my friend, and my best friend drove to the sanctuary, and I got to actually hold a sloth there, and we got to see like the tigers and hyenas and things like that. Um, they it was beautiful, but it's just funny because it was in Tiger King, and now the guy is on the run because I guess people went after him 
later. So anyway, my point of that whole story was that, you know, I can post pictures about sloths on Facebook or Instagram and my friends are like, yay, good for you. But I can also post them in groups of like, I love sloths or whatever. And you get all these likes because these people also like sloths. Um, so then that's kind of cool because you're like, yeah, you see how cool this is? Like, you know, the racetrack stuff that I like. People are like, man, that's so dumb. I even had a coworker tell me yesterday that it was stupid. And I was like, you're stupid. And she, we laughed and went back to our offices. So, you know, but I can be friends with other people at the track and we can like, you know, we're like-minded in that, our interest in that. So it's kind of, kind of fun that you can have a conversation about something that you enjoy with someone else who also enjoys the same thing. So, uh, so it can be, it can be more positive. Okay. Physical health and appearance are additional factors contributing to low self-esteem. For instance, one study found that having missing teeth or untreated dental decay negatively contributed to self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, I could see how that would be an issue. Um, so recap on the self-esteem. Low self-esteem often stems from many causes. Five common factors that play a role include negative self-talk, mental health disorders, poor coping skills, rumination, and low resilience to stress. So how are we going to cope with this low self-esteem business? Coping with low self-esteem. Building or fixing low self-esteem often takes time, but... There are things that you can do to help protect your mental well-being while taking steps to improve your self-regard. Focus on hopeful thoughts. Spend a little time each day focusing on one positive hopeful thought. Or on positive hopeful thoughts, sorry. Notice the little things that you are good at and allow yourself to feel proud of them. Also, think about times in the past when you made it through something really difficult. Remind yourself that even though you might not feel your best right now, you have the ability and strength to get through it. So I want you guys to think about that because I'm assuming if you're listening to this, then you are either a survivor or you know someone who is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse or rape or any kind of trauma. Um, When people would say something to me like, uh, you're strong for, you know, everything that you've been through, uh, stuff like that. It makes me uncomfortable a little bit because I'm like, I'm not strong. You know, I have been through this. Yes, but I didn't have a damn choice. I got through this because I didn't have a choice, but you know, somebody could say, well, you did have a choice. You know, you chose to kept keep going forward. And, you know, I am the one who sought out treatment for the weird feelings I was having in my 20s. That's what led me to Beth, Elizabeth, Beth, not Beverly. I sought out treatment and worked with her very hardly, or like really hard working with her. And now looking back, Sometimes, every once in a while, I think, dang, that was a lot. So I want you to think about it 
you know, think about whether it has to do with the subject of this podcast or maybe you survived um, an accident of some sort, something that you really didn't think you were going to get through, but you did. And if you want to, send me a message on Facebook Messenger and tell me what that was so that we can enjoy that together. Because, Because it's important that you that you remember that and that you give yourself credit because, you know, one time Beth told me because I was downplaying something that had happened to me and she said, you know, Nick, she's like one incident can make or break a person for the rest of their life. And in our conversation, we were talking about one incident of, um, like abuse or, you know, um, like the stuff that happened to me as a child or even through my, my teen years, you know, she's saying one incident like that could literally make or break a person. And when you look at all of the, the stuff, the garbage, the crap that I went through between the ages of five and we'll say 18, And I think about it now and I'm like, how did I get through that? Well, I know how because I'm a believer in Christ. But, you know, some people who may not believe that way, you know, they don't, they don't have that hope and that power from something else that makes them appreciate getting through trauma. Um... Some people are still in a, in a phase with their trauma that they're blaming. They're angry. And that's okay. That's your journey. There's nothing wrong with that. It took me a little while to get through my own stuff. And I was going to tell you. So, Nick, I'm going to, because I only have like a few minutes. But we still have quite a bit to cover. So, I'm going to do a part two on how to build your self-esteem. So, this episode is going to be about. Do you have low self-esteem? And how do you get low self-esteem? Excuse me. But next week or the week after is going to actually be about how to build it. Um, And I have a couple different articles that I wanted to um, go over with that. So be prepared. Hopefully next week I can talk my husband into mowing the grass on Wednesday night again. And we can get back on track with doing this every week. Um, So on... Friday night, I want to, this, this is kind of the end of the educational part of the podcast. This is more about my story now. Um, on Friday and Saturday night of last week, I spent some time at the racetrack. You know, that one place that I talk about that other people like roll their eyes about. Um, so this past weekend was what they call a three hour endurance race in the figure eight world. Now, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and most people probably don't, Um, because I I don't know, this is kind of a Midwestern thing. You can go on YouTube and type in World Figure 8, World Figure 8 Championship, and you can see some of the videos on this. It's from the Indianapolis Speedrome. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so they had racing Thursday, Friday, and then the big race was on Saturday. This is like the biggest race of the year. And Friday, Thursday night I couldn't go because I had to work on on Friday, like a responsible adult. 
So I didn't go because it's like a more than an hour drive away. So my husband was working there. And then Friday, I worked and then left work early and went down so that I could beat the crowd and be able to get a seat. So a few minutes before racing time, I'm sitting by myself in the stands, which I've become kind of used to. You know, a lot of my friends don't want to go every weekend. Most people don't even like it. So I go, I enjoy it. Um, I get to know some of the people that I sit around in different places. You know, we talk about things and make fun of people, like the drivers, not people. But, like, that was a dumb move, whatever. Um, So Friday night I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, and I'm sitting right on the aisle, okay? It's like uh, bleachers. I'm sitting right on the aisle and this guy walks up the steps in front of me. And he, I don't know that he recognized me. But I knew immediately who it was. And I was like, son of a bitch. (laughs) Like, I'm sitting here by myself. I'm in the snake pit. Like, not really. But, you know, I instantly was like, okay, well, I peeled all of, this was a friend of Tom's. um, And someone who was not favored in my childhood. Like, for me, he was not. He was not a really good influence. So anyway, I'm sitting there and I got anxious. I texted my husband who was right across the racetrack from me. And I'm like, so-and-so is here and I can't believe it. Like, how did I, like, I was just like, so-and-so is here, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, are you okay? And I was like, yes, I just have to get through the anxiety. Now, I didn't bring any of my anxiety medications because I was excited. I was so excited about this race. And, um, you know, I had been there for a long time and I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have run-ins with these people that are from my past. So long story short, I'm sitting there. I pick all the nail polish off my fingernails. I'm, uh, I might have had a cigarette or two or three because when I'm there, I, I might smoke. I don't know. My best friend does not really approve of this but I understand so it's just an environmental thing for me it's like when people go to the bar the casino sometimes they have to drink in those environments and so I smoke in this environment so anyway naughty naughty slap my hand because it's bad for me I know so anyway so I'm sitting there and I'm already anxious and I'm like crap um a few minutes later another guy walks up the steps and well what caught my eye was the woman in front of him had a really cute handbag and I was like oh that's really cute and then I looked up and I was like oh snap here we go this guy guy number two actually testified against me in court not really against me he he actually was a character witness for Tom during his sentencing hearing um and This guy, guy number two, was also abusing his stepdaughters. Years later, he ended up going to jail for it. Only for one of the girls, not two. Um, And so while I'm sitting there, I'm having all of this post-traumatic stress stuff popping through my head like movies. It's like, it takes me back to like 1996 in the summer when I'm bullying in a, a league with, with Ryan and my mom and my brother are bowling and this guy, guy number two, and his wife were bowling. And I had told my mom something about guy number two abusing his 
stepdaughter and my mother decided to tell somebody else at the bowling alley and instead of calling the police you know that was just how she rolled and the mom who was married to this band number two and my mom were fighting at the bowling alley like yelling at each other and stuff and I was like oh my gosh this is so incredibly embarrassing so um sorry Sorry, Ryan came in to get the dog to let him out. So I'm all of this stuff is just going through my head. And I'm like, ugh, get a grip, Nick. This is stupid. You're 44 years old. This stuff happened 25 years ago, whatever. And you know, on the way home, my brother called from jail. <laughs> and I talked to him for a, a few minutes. And was processing everything and when I got home because I had to drive separately from my husband when I got home we talked about it a little bit and that was it then on Saturday a very old friend of mine who I have been friends with since seventh grade um who also she's going to be a guest on the show I asked her over the weekend if she would mind coming on and telling her story and she was she was like heck yeah I'll do that I mean she has a a really powerful story so um, we just have to set up a time to be able to record the episode with no distractions because she has a couple kids and uh, I just got to set up a time when she can come over. Anyway, so Saturday night, we're sitting there. There's like two hours before the race even starts and the place is packed because the people are coming from everywhere. And um, I think there was like 15,000 people there, which is amazing to think of all these people. But I was chatting with her about the night before and about feeling um, stupid because I was reacting to that. And she's like, Nick, that's just the trauma. And I'm like, I know it's the trauma, but dang, it's been so long and I've worked through it. She's like, that's the PTSD. I'm like, I know. And it was just, it was really helpful for her to be able to say that and for me to be like, okay. That's what it was, which I knew that's what it was. But, you know, a while back, Beth and I were talking about the racetrack because we had, I had run into Tom out there. And, you know, she's like, every time you go to a racetrack where he could possibly be, you're, you're putting yourself in, like, in harm's way. And I'm like, I understand that. But 99 out of 100 times, I don't run into him or anybody that has to do with him. But this was a big race. And, the racing community, you know, people just come out of the woodwork for this race. So I survived and, you know, I, I really felt like I was going to lose my crap because there was a lady behind me who had a little, little boy. His name was Grayson. He's so stinking cute. Well, she is saying things like, um, I only have a couple minutes, so I'm going to probably abruptly end this. But she was like talking about how the little boy is has said the word damn. He's like two, two and a half. And she's like, I can't effing believe that. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> seriously, you can't understand why your son picked up this language when every other word that comes out of your mouth is the F word. And like, <clears throat> I was just, I was in a mental place and I was in a kind of like a protect the kid mode. And I don't know 
why I got like that, but um, I didn't say anything. Actually, I kind of um, was playing around with the kid, you know, just kind of looking at him and smiling and uh, making funny faces with him and stuff, you know, just trying to make light of everything. But, you know, I, they could be good parents. I don't know. But the way that she behaved and the father was very loving toward the child, but she was very like, F this and F that and F her and F and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that poor child has to grow up in this. Now that's, that's what I grew up in. And I was like, oh, this poor baby. Like, so anyway, and I'm not saying that people who cuss are bad people. Not at all. I'm just, you know, sometimes maybe you shouldn't punish your child for cussing when you, every other word is a curse word. You know, maybe don't do that around them because they're like little sponges. Anyway, so my weekend, the race was pretty good. Um, I, it was great to spend time with my girlfriend and her son. And she actually brought her aunt, which was great because she had never been to one of these races. And she loved racing, like, from another track that I grew up at. And I was like, this is nothing like that. So, um, that is all, I guess. <laughs> I don't really, I mean, it was just, it was interesting the way that the PTSD just kind of popped its head up Friday because of seeing someone from my past. But, you know, I am not that person anymore. I am not, um, I'm not in that life anymore. And I have to keep remembering that and reminding myself, Nick, you're an adult. You, you know, show myself grace. Yes, I understand why I reacted the way that I did. It was a physiological response to a trigger. So, um, you know, everybody has it. People who have been through trauma, and people who have thought that they've dealt with it, it will sneak up on you and bite you in the booty. And you just have to know how to react to it and go on and enjoy your life because the trauma is not there to define you. It was something that happened to you. and But I'm not discounting it. I don't want you to think that you're like, oh, well, you just discounted it, whatever. I did, I'm not discounting your trauma at all. You, this, that's your journey. But um, I don't know. I, I just, if, if you want to send me any messages, join our Facebook group. My Facebook group, it's not. I guess it's ours as a community. Um, it's uh, Kept Secrets, a podcast about overcoming childhood trauma. And it's the same picture that is on the podcast, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Feel free to send me a private message. Also, a couple weeks ago, some nice lady uh, sent me a message through uh, Spotify, I think, that she wanted to come on and talk about her memoir because she is also a survivor. And she did not leave me any contact information. So if you're listening to this, please send me a message on Facebook or email me at kepsecretspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, have a great rest of your day. And I will see you next time where we will learn how to build our self-esteem. Bye.